May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In verse 36 of Acts chapter 9, which we heard Lisa read just now, in the original Greek, there's a word that appears only one time in the entire New Testament. That word is mathetria, which is the feminine form of the word mathetes, which means disciple. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha. Tabitha, or Dorcas, as her name is translated into Greek, is the subject of an unusual miracle story. What's unusual is how much we hear about Tabitha and her discipleship. If you think about it, when Jesus raises Lazarus for the dead in the Gospel of John, for example, we don't get a summary of who Lazarus was or his good works. We don't know very much about him at all, just that he was the brother of Mary and Martha and a close friend of Jesus. But Tabitha's life is described. Her life that was oriented around good works and acts of charity, especially making clothes for the poor. She did this with a group of widows. Now, widow in the early church is actually referring to a kind of holy orders, the order of widow, women who, after the deaths of their husbands, remained unmarried and committed themselves to serving the church. And they had a kind of special status as holy women. Most biblical commentators refer to Tabitha as a widow herself, part of this order of widows since she apparently was with them making clothing, as they say. But I don't think we know that for sure from the text. It's interesting to me that Tabitha is described as a mathetria, a disciple, rather than as a widow. It would have been easy for the writer of Luke Acts to say, now in Joppa there was a widow and her name was Tabitha. And his readers would have known that that she held this special role in the church. But that's not what the text says. Just because there are no male relatives mentioned in the story, it doesn't mean that they weren't there. Female relatives are left out of stories all the time in the Bible. So in the case of an important female disciple, the same could certainly be true about her male relatives. What's interesting to me about Tabitha is that she's described by the gospel writer not according to her marital status or her family status, but according to her discipleship. Today is Mother's Day, as you are likely aware. Mother's Day for the preacher is a kind of gift-wrapped, floral-scented hand grenade. (laughs) And so I have often tended to avoid it mostly because we in the Episcopal Church in our, in our worship do not tend to make much of secular holidays. We usually acknowledge them in the prayers of the people as they relate to our prayers. But we mark time by the liturgical year, by the feasts and fasts tied to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But Mother's Day in particular I avoid in the sermon because it's complicated, it's loaded, it is triggering. Some women stay home from church on Mother's Day. Between the failings and absences of our all uh, too human mothers, 
fertility issues and loss that is so often left unspoken, or the cavalier societal privileging of women who are mothers to biological children over the women who are not. Wishing someone happy Mother's Day, especially from the pulpit, is a complex business. And all the more so this year, when news has broken just this week that the Supreme Court has voted to overturn Roe v. Wade, which will most likely have the immediate effect of depriving over half of American women of their full reproductive rights and access to reproductive health care. This vote will be disastrous for women in our country and especially for poor women and for women of color. It will also be disastrous for children and for families in general. And I should also say for people who identify as women. And this disaster is already unfolding in many cases as the termination of pregnancy is becoming criminalized in a number of states, and we're hearing reports of that. The Episcopal Church has long supported the right of women to choose to become mothers or not. And there's um, online, you can find a long list of general conventions, resolutions on those issues. Motherhood is a beautiful and holy thing because it is one expression among many of human love and relationship and intimacy. And because we as humans are made in the image of God, our creator, who gave us life and who continues to sustain us and renew our lives in a mothering way and the life of all the world every day. Actually, a beautiful image of motherhood and divine motherhood, I think, is the image of the Good Shepherd, and today is Good Shepherd Sunday. Shepherding and mothering, mothering have a lot in common. Um, the shepherd is often the image of the pastor, which I think is incorrect because the one shepherd is Jesus. Um, but I have to admit, there's a lot of herding and <laughs> involved in what I do, and um, I, you've heard me say before um, that, you know, being a priest is such a mom job that I'm amazed they ever allowed men to do it. Um, so, you know, the image of the Good Shepherd, I think, is one beautiful image of nurturing, mothering that is actually um, not really gendered, that we can claim at the heart of who Jesus is and how we're called to care for each other. But in terms of our secular culture, to honor motherhood through cards and gifts while denying the human rights of women to bodily autonomy and access to health care is no honor at all. And I think this year we have to acknowledge that. Many of us, uh, men and women, are grieving very deeply this week. There's a short story, barely a story, in the Gospel of Luke, just a few lines really, about Jesus and motherhood that I find really interesting. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is teaching in a big crowd, as he often does, and a woman calls out to him from the crowd, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nurse you. In other words, this anonymous woman is commending Jesus' mother for her great job in giving birth to him and raising him as a profound teacher and miraculous healer that he is, saying, you know, you are a credit you know, to your mother. Your mother's a credit to you. And it's like a softball for Jesus to just agree with. Yes, blessed are faithful Jewish women for giving birth to the prophets. 
he is supposed to answer, or something to that effect. But that's not what he says. He answers this woman in the crowd. Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And he says, rather. And in other words, actually, there's, there's an even better state than biological motherhood and its obedience, which, sneakily enough, could also be about his mother Mary. His mother Mary was given a choice by an angel as to whether or not she wanted to sign on to this great mission of God that was offered to her to bear the Redeemer of the world. And this is a central story in Luke, and she ponders this, and then she says yes, this profoundly theological, important yes to becoming Jesus' mother, to birthing him. But Jesus' answer to this woman in the crowd could be about any faithful person. He says, in effect, it's not our biology or our biological relationships that give glory to God in and of themselves. It's the choices that we make to follow God's Torah that gives glory to God. It's our righteous actions, it's our good deeds, and that includes the way that we live in right relationship with others in the roles that we're born into and in the roles that we choose to take on. That's Jesus' answer when someone gives him the chance to praise biological motherhood. You might say that he has unorthodox family values. And so that's why I want to propose a new holiday for us in the church. There's nothing wrong with brunches and cards and flowers for our mothers. They are lovely. I myself would prefer paid family leave, universal preschool, subsidized childcare, equal pay and equality in health care, and freedom from sex discrimination generally. <laughs> but while I'm waiting for that, I'll take the card. But in the church, I think that we should celebrate Mathatria Day, a day celebrating female expressions of discipleship. For 2,000 years, despite discrimination and denial of their full personhood, women like Tabitha have been serving the church and serving those in need. They have been urgent for the cause of right. They have been resilient in love, and they have often frequently been resistant to empire. Um, one great Mathatria example actually connects to Mother's Day, Julia Ward Howe, the famous hymn writer of the 19th century who wrote the hymn, The Battle Hymn of the Republic, which includes a line about how Jesus was born from women. But then later, decades later, um, when another war happened in the 1870s, uh, Julie Ward Howe started a campaign for the original Mother's Day, which was a witness of women, especially Christian women, against war um, and against taking young men away to, to suffer and die as soldiers. Um, and then through a long sort of, you know, permutations that has evolved into our modern celebration of Mother's Day. But originally, Julia Ward Howe's uh, campaign, which involved women's suffrage, the, the 80 or 90 year campaign for women's suffrage, was born out of the sense that mothers could be Christian witnesses against the war. 
Mathetreya Day. Let's set aside a day to give thanks for female disciples, for feminine expressions of discipleship, and also to fight for the rights of all who identify as women. Happy Mathetreya Day. In God's name, amen.